0: The New York Jets are now on the
1: board. Okay, Jeff Vance, Darrell Rivas. Being in New York
0: has been one of the greatest blessings.
1: Zach Fifth Avenue ran that one right now. The New York Jet fleck.
0: Welcome to another episode of NFL Draft Preview. Ethan Greenberg, Dane Bruegler talking quarterbacks, talking a little bit of the combine. They kind of go hand-in-hand hand here, Dane, because the quarterbacks all will throw, or maybe they won't all throw at the combine, but this is their last chance to impress scouts on the field other than their pro days. A big step in the evaluation process with medicals and interviews, and we'll talk about that as we talk about the combine. But as, as a prospect, can Pickett. pick it? your top quarterback prospect, but not until the 30s on your top 100. So can you talk about this quarterback class as a whole and maybe how one guy can try to separate from the others to be QB1 come April?
1: Yeah, as impressive as last year's quarterback class was, uh, five quarterbacks in the first 15 picks, uh, including Zach Wilson at number two, this quarterback class is a little bit of the opposite, where there's some talent, but none of these guys that you look at and say, okay, yeah, I have conviction – this is going to be a quarterback that will lead us to the playoffs or, you know, it's going to be a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. Now maybe someone will surprise us uh, and, and end up doing that, but it's hard to have any confidence uh, in this group because you could poke holes at all of them. I pick it is my top quarterback. Uh, I think he has, you know, probably the highest floor of any of these quarterbacks. You have a good idea of what you're getting with him. Uh, I love the passing instincts. Uh, he, he's a, has the ability to throw receivers open. What he did this past year, coming back for his fifth season at Pitt, uh, was outstanding. Um, and I think that the confidence that he shows is more of a strength than a weakness. But there are times where he'll get greedy and uh, maybe throw, make some throws he shouldn't make. Uh, and, and there are some skittish tendencies. He was beat up a lot um, by his uh, by uh, pass rushers uh, his first few years uh, at, at Pitt. Senior year, offensive line did a much better job. But You could tell he was a little skittish uh, from some of the past uh, past years where they struggled in that area. But his ability to throw from various platforms and throw with accuracy, that's really what you're betting on with a Kenny Pickett. So I think you're getting an NFL starter, a guy that can step in right away and at least make an impact. And so there are going to be teams that look at him and say, yeah, he's worthy of a first-round pick for us because he upgrades our quarterback position. We're not sure what the ceiling is. Is, you know, can he be a guy that leads us to the Super Bowl? Maybe, but at least we know we're getting a starter who's at least going to compete uh, week one for us.
0: You know, you said Kenny Pickett in your eyes has the highest floor. Who in your eyes has the highest upside of this group?
1: I think you have to go with Malik Willis, uh, the quarterback out of Liberty, who uh, has a really exciting set of skills with the athleticism, the arm talent. Um, there, there's a lot to like about him. He's shorter and he almost has like a running back build because he's 220. He's really compactly built, uh, but he's a loose athlete. Uh, he's a play extender. Uh, the offense that he played in at Liberty, it's not really conducive to what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL. And so there's some question marks there, especially post-snap. Uh, when that first read is taken away, can you find the secondary reads, the third reads? Uh, that's kind of the big question with him. Uh, and it's something where when you talk about mental processing, it's, it's a projection. And so it's not that he can't do it. It's just we haven't seen it consistently yet. And so there are some question marks with Malik Willis, but a lot of excitement as well. Because when you have a guy with uh, that type of skill set, he has intangibles. Uh, it's, it's, at some point, you're willing to bet on a guy like that. And so for it's going to be a different answer for different teams in terms of where they want to draft a player that probably isn't ready to see the field as a rookie. But when you think of where he could be two, three years from now, that's what gets you excited. And so good chance he goes in the first round. Uh, but it, it's, again, teams are going to look at him differently in terms of what's the risk value, where we feel comfortable drafting him.
0: For a guy like Matt Corral, who was not at the Senior Bowl, and mm-hmm. obviously the Senior Bowl, wait, wait, I think when people think about the Senior Bowl, you think about guys who use that as a launching pad. Well, it feels like after talking to you, none of the quarterbacks were able to separate from each other in Mobile. For a guy like Matt Corral, who wasn't there, now teams will get to look at him both on and off the field and whatever he does in Indianapolis. Is that almost an advantage for him? Because there's a little bit of an of an enigma there because teams haven't seen him yet since the end of the college football season when he got hurt?
1: Yeah, that's a good way to kind of frame it because, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that going to the Senior Bowl you know, hurt any of these these quarterbacks, but for Matt Corral, it's just a unique situation where he was the one quarterback of the first probably seven that will be drafted, the one quarterback that wasn't there. And so he is kind of the, the main attraction among these quarterbacks, the guy that a lot of teams can't wait to see. Uh, and there's a lot of question marks with him. What's the size going to be? 6'2", 205? I was told he was under 200 pounds uh, in the spring uh, by the scouts who measured him. Uh, so what's the size going to be exactly. And then, you know, the interview process is going to be big for him. He got, you know, there's some immature things in his past from high school and in college. He's been very open about, you know, his therapy and uh, battles with depression and, and alcohol and things like that. So the interview process will be big for him just in terms of selling himself to NFL teams. Um, and, but on the field, that's where I think he's really going to shine, especially in this combine environment. He's an instinctive athlete. Everything he does is quick The arm, Uh, the way he sees things, uh, the movements with his feet. Uh, So I think in a a a shorts and a T-shirt throwing against air, Matt Corral should do very well for himself this week in Indianapolis.
0: You know, Dana, I know it's the end of February as we're recording this. The combine will be in March, the draft late April. So this is kind of a projection question, but it feels like in the past, at least specifically for quarterbacks and really all positions, a lot of play, like there's a lot of jostling in terms of position. Who's QB one? Who's running back one, et cetera, et cetera? Who's a quarterback that we should know about that maybe we're not talking about enough now, but maybe by the time the draft comes around, that quarterback will be in conversation. Maybe not for QB one, but maybe like round two, but before, like as we talk, maybe that's a day three player. Like the guy I'm thinking about last year, Davis Mills felt like he kind of came out of nowhere towards the end of the process. So is there a guy similar to that where we're not talking about him, but then all of a sudden this guy is going to light it up in the interview process and he has good tape or good enough tape. And now we're like, okay, now his draft stock has risen.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if there's really a Davis Mills, um, in this class and, you know, Davis Mills, we talked about him throughout the process as being, uh, maybe the, the most likely starter outside those top five guys. And so I don't know that was a big surprise with him, but This year, uh, I don't know that we necessarily have – it's just not a great quarterback class uh, in any part of the draft. And so we don't have – there weren't a lot of juniors that came out. Um, Caleb Ellaby from Western Michigan is one uh, who maybe could surprise. I thought his tape was more late-round type of prospect. But, you know, who knows? Maybe during the interview process, maybe during the combine, his workouts, maybe Caleb Ellaby will be able to uh, impress and move up a little bit. Uh, The one senior that intrigues me, and I don't know that he has a ceiling as a starter, but I think he can be a backup in this league for a long time. And that's Jack Cohn from Notre Dame. Uh, started at Wisconsin, transferred to Notre Dame for his final year. Uh, there's nothing about him that necessarily wows you, uh, but he's a resilient com- uh, competitor, uh, very efficient as a passer. There are some athletic limitations. I think that's a big, the biggest thing keeping him from maybe being a second-round pick, a third-round pick. But somewhere in the mid-round, somewhere day three, I think Jack Cohn uh, is a worthy draft pick because I love the way that he finds rhythm in the passing game. Uh, he delivers with timing, delivers with placement. Um, so there's a lot to like about Cohn as a, a possible backup, although I don't know that he's going to necessarily reach that starter status.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up uh, just generally because are there any players that you think are in a similar vein where I'm thinking about the Jets a couple of years ago, they draft James Morgan day three, hope to develop him into a backup. And obviously that did not happen with the Jets, but is there a guy or a couple of guys, a couple of names that you think if the Jets were to draft a quarterback to develop him into a backup for Zach Wilson, you like as a fit or you just, you like him as a player?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, outside those top five guys, you know, talking about Pickett, Malik Willis, uh, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, and Desmond Ritter, I think those are the top five quarterbacks. And then that's where we get into some question marks. You know, Carson Strong from Nevada's got, got the knee, got some other question marks with him. Uh, Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky is a nice player, I think could be a Case Keenum in this league. Uh, mentioned Jack Cohn, mentioned Caleb Ellaby. And then after that, you know, I, I think we're going into more uh, guys that have very low ceilings, like uh, Brock Purdy from Iowa State, a nice player, but, you know, 6'1", 205, uh, you know, very limited in what he could do. Uh, but a few developmental guys that have some traits that you can work with but uh, need, need a lot of development time, guys like Cole Kelly from southeastern Louisiana, uh, E.J. Perry uh, from Brown, So there's a few quarterbacks that will be in that late round conversation who, uh, you know, it's hard to see them maybe coming out as, uh, you know, grading out as top five round type of quarterbacks, but, you know, there's enough to entice you that maybe they get themselves drafted in April.
0: You know the Jets sit there with the number 10 overall selection obviously not going to take a quarterback but I think a lot of um there's been projections let's say whether it's mock drafts mm-hmm. or just talk on Twitter whatever the case may be that maybe a team would want to trade up to 10 and select a quarterback whether or not that's to leapfrog the Washington Commanders right there at number 11 is moot in this scenario just they want to trade up they want to get their guy who is the most likely quarterback you think that a team would want to trade up for and try to leapfrog another team to secure their guy for the future.
1: I think it's either Pickett or Willis. You know, again, we're talking about Kenny Pickett, the guy who can come in right away, compete for a starting job. He's going to help you win football games. Uh, again, is his ceiling going to be Super Bowl winning quarterback? That's hard to say, but at least you know uh, that he can come in and compete right away. Malik Willis, maybe he will be able to beat you to the Super Bowl one day, but there's a bigger projection compared to where he is now. Uh, compared to what a ceiling is. So I think it's either one of those two players. Uh, I I think that makes a lot of sense with Washington picking at number 11. Um, You know, there's some, does Carolina at six, do they go quarterback? That's a little early for for any of these guys, but, you know, quarterback desperation is a real thing in the NFL. And so I think Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, uh, good chance one of those two guys will be the first quarterback off the board. And it it possibly could be somewhere in the top 10 uh, or somewhere in the top 15. And if it is, uh, maybe the the Jets do receive a few calls. And in that case, it'd be really interesting to see what they would be offered to move back in a scenario like that.
0: All right. February 28th, 1014 in the morning, over under 0.5 quarterbacks selected in the top 10 in the NFL draft.
1: Uh, I will go uh, right now where we are. I'll, I'll go with the under. Um, I'll, I'll say that, wow. you know, Washington there at number uh, number 11 seems like the most likely landing spot. Carolina, you know, they invested so much. They don't have a second round pick this year because of Sam Darnold. Um, it seems more likely they chase a veteran uh, quarterback out there, whoever that may be. Uh, you know, last year they went after Matthew Stafford, weren't able to get it done. This year, they're going to look for that Matthew Stafford. And so, whoever that may be, Carolina—that's that, the direction I see them going. Uh, you know, Denver at nine is a possibility, just because their quarterback situation's unsettled. But more likely, again, they go after a veteran and chase one of those guys that could be available. Um, I, so, when you look at these quarterbacks, uh, you know it's been a, it's been a while since we had a quarterback not drafted top ten, but uh, I think this is—it's very likely that it happens this year.
0: All right, wow, I love that answer. That's giving me some fire up here in the morning. On the East Coast, it is a little chilly and uh, whatever. It'll be chilly in in Indianapolis, so who cares? So this is how I'm going to transition here from the quarterbacks to the combine because Kenny Pickett didn't have his hands measured in Mobile. He will in Indianapolis. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to say I am double-jointed too. I don't know if you can see my thumb, but it's popping in and out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so do do you do like stretches to? <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. That's right. For everybody who wants to measure my my hands for to hold a football, that's right. right. Exactly.
1: I, I I don't know. I I think Pickett kind of made a mistake by not getting his hands like his hands are like what they are. Right. It, uh, might, might as well just get the conversation over with in, at the Senior Bowl because now that's what everyone's going to be talking about once he gets right. measured. So might as well just rip the bandaid off. Got him measured at the Senior Bowl now. Uh, you know, we know he has small hands. That's just a fact. And so it's, it'll be, uh, if he did not he wouldn't be wearing gloves. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's something that I wish he would have just ripped the bandaid off at at the, at the senior bowl, but now it'll be continue to be a topic of conversation throughout this week.
0: It is what it is, right? Call a spade a spade. If you have small hands in the NFL combine, you just have small hands, Sucking up. You're probably a good football player regardless. I remember, uh, wasn't it Joe Burrow who tweeted like, oh my God, how am I ever going to throw a football with my tiny hands?
1: Yeah, Joe Burrow, I think he was exactly nine, nine even, which that's kind of the threshold. You want to be above nine. Uh, Jared Goff dealt with the same thing. He still ended up going number one overall. So it's a little overblown. Um, I think if you have a history of fumbles uh, on on tape and, you know, or, you know, the ball coming out wobbly out of your hand, all of a sudden smaller hands comes into play where it matters. But with Kenny Pickett, he – cut down on the fumbles quite a bit. And I don't think you really notice smaller hands with his ability as a passer at all. So I don't think it's as big of a deal. And that's why I wish he would have just got it done, but we'll continue to hear about it throughout this week.
0: That's fair. So what are, in your opinion, the biggest storylines as an evaluator, something that you're looking to see, whether it's from a specific player, whether it's to hear from different personnel, like what are the storylines that you're going into the combine week thinking, you know what, I'm really curious to see how this plays out.
1: Well, I think first and foremost, we kind of have to point out the disclaimer, right, that of the three main steps of the combine, the on-field workouts are the least important. First and foremost, the combine's about the medicals. You know, that's why the combine was created in the first place. Second is the interviews. Valuable face time for all these teams with the 324 players that will be uh, in Indianapolis. Those two uh, really are the most important aspects of the combine and what can really create fluctuation among the rankings third place is the on-field workouts the agility testing it's still important uh don't get me wrong i those that I, you know this is the time of year where we hear though the combines overrated and this those that don't value the combine just don't understand how to use the the information um it's not something that the combine shouldn't be something that you know change, alters your rankings and changes where guys are projected to be drafted that's not how it works but it should be a, a cross-checking exercise, a fail-safe measure. So you it confirms what you're seeing on film. And it's also for comparison purposes. Uh, you know, 40-yard dash, you know, wide receiver compared to uh, pass wide receivers and things like that. It, just, it really helps create context for these players. And so for this week, um, I think, you know, starting off, we just mentioned the quarterbacks. Matt Corral, how does he look? How does he work out? We haven't seen him since the bowl game when he got hurt against Baylor. So that will be big for him. Um, you know, I want to see uh, how some of these running backs catch the football. Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, he's my top running back this year, wasn't asked to catch the ball that much. Uh, 3.8% of his career touches in college were receptions, only 3.8%. So just not really proven in that area. It, to me, he could be a top 40 pick in this draft, but I think he needs to catch the ball really well um, at, at the combine to help that uh, wide receiver position, a guy like Justin Ross out of Clemson, who looked like a future top 10 pick as a freshman when we watched him during the college football playoffs uh, against Notre Dame, against Alabama, looked outstanding. Uh, but a couple injuries, uh, you know, including one uh, with a neck injury that, that needed surgery this past year. Uh, the quarterback situation at Clemson didn't really do him any favors. And then he had the foot injury. So Justin Ross, his projection was kind of derailed by a few of these things uh, so he was cleared going to be back on the field eager to see how he does uh and, and i mean really we, we could talk all day about all the different things that we're looking for you know trailing burks uh out of arkansas he's going to be 225 pounds Is he run in the four fours uh you know does he have 11 inch hands you know some of these things that are going to be really interesting to watch uh I, I think the 40 when it comes to the 40-yard dash if you're going to ask me say who's going to run the fastest my money's on Kalen Barnes at Baylor, the cornerback, uh, who is you know maybe uh, not a top two-round guy, but starting in the third round, maybe you start to think about a guy with that type of speed. In high school, he ran a 10.04 in the 100 meters, which is just remarkable. I mean, that's, that's uh, just, you know, qualifying for the Olympics type of speed. So Kalen Barnes, uh, he should be one of the... Winners this week when he uh, is able to go, uh, you know, run his 40 uh, on uh, later this week.
0: I feel like if you're a fan of the NFL draft, obviously, to your point, you're excited to see the on field workouts. You're excited to see the 40 yard dash, the bench press, the athletic Mm -hmm. freaks jumping out of the gym. Uh, Like my personal favorite, not that you asked, but my personal favorite is the gauntlet. I love the gauntlet. I like to see how the receivers catch it. And, you know, In terms of the 40 yard dash, we'll talk about like the gauntlet and the other drills in a minute. But the 40 yard dash, you mentioned who you think will be the winner. What about other guys that you just think will be up there? Like, um, especially guys that you think casual or somewhat casual NFL draft fans know of, right? Like, Mm -hmm. maybe it's a, is there a top two round guy that you think is going to blow the doors off the gym and really just run a blazing fast 40?
1: A couple of these wide receivers should. Uh, Chris Olave from Ohio State, uh, he was a 10-800-meter guy in high school. He should light it up. Um, and when you watch him play, how smooth he is, um, I, I think that'll translate really well uh, with these other drills as well. Jahan Dotson from Penn State, he should be in the 4-3 range. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at corner, uh, Trent McDuffie uh, from Washington, I think he'll be one of the top testers. I, I talked to him last week, he told me, High four threes, low four fours is his goal. Wants to get at least over forty two inches. And the crazy thing is, is he might not even be the most athletic uh, defensive back coming out of Washington. That's Tyler Gordon, uh, who is not as polished of a football player as Trent McDuffie, but his athleticism is remarkable. And you know, kind of fun uh, talking to him about his background. He grew up competing in martial arts uh, competitions, kung fu. He was in dance competitions, Mr. Spotlight. That, that that was his upbringing. That was his childhood. And then at some point, you know, middle school, he trans, that translated all that athleticism, that flexibility to football and basketball, and he grew into this player uh, who is just a remarkable athlete on the football field, playing corner, and that should show up this week. So Kyler Gordon, not as polished of a corner as some of these other guys, but cornerback is a stopwatch position. And if you're going to post the numbers that I think Kyler Gordon is capable of, uh, he, he's going to go high, maybe even in that first round.
0: You know, I, I got to ask about two guys that have been linked to the Jets, specifically at number four, and how big of a week it is for these two players. One is Derek Stingley, the other one is Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end out of Oregon.
1: Yeah, with Derek Stingley, uh, obviously, I, we want to see him run and work out. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to because of that foot injury that he suffered uh, during the season, but above all the medicals that's what's going to be really important for him and then just the uh, the interview process you know uh getting him one-on-one and figuring out okay what went into your thought process you know what happened in the last two years uh you know or do you have that alpha personality that we're looking for uh, i know teams are skeptical that he really has that uh in him and so the interview process will be huge for derek stinley and then with thibodeau it's it's just more about selling yourself um, you know there's uh, a lot of you know chatter out there about how he cares more about his brand than he does about football, and uh, you know, is he is he have the passion needed that, to draft to draft him top five, and he's really going to work to be the best defensive end that he can. He should test well, uh, but the interview process, see teams getting him one on one and getting to know him better. That's really what's going to either help Thibodeau or maybe even uh, push him down draft boards even more. Who knows? Maybe he's there at ten. If they just want to go in that direction, so Avon Thibodeau really a uh, little bit of a lightning rod uh, when you talk to teams, and this will be a big week for him to kind of uh, you know get back, get things back on track, and show that hey, I am a guy worthy of the top overall pick that you want to invest a top five pick in. Uh, this is his chance to uh, to sell himself and uh, you know sh- sh- explain to teams why he is worthy of that selection.
0: We'll see what happens. It's going to be a fascinating week. Uh, I do feel like. I just want to bring up two more guys, both edge rushers. David Ajabo feels like he's primed to have a huge week. And also, Jermaine Johnson, I'm curious what your thoughts are on him. Doesn't feel like a lot of people are talking about him as an athlete. Obviously, he had a fantastic week in Mobile, really, really did a lot for himself at the Senior Bowl. But what kind of athlete is Jermaine Johnson? Like at the end of this combine week, is he going to get lost in the shuffle or is he going to continue to ascend as a player, as a prospect, should I say?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know that the combine is necessarily. I think Senior Bowl was very much a, an opportunity for him to show out more so than the combine. Like, I don't think he's going to test below average, I, but I think he'll be closer, probably closer to average than you know David Ajabo. Um, you know, he's some of his athleticism. I think you know, you see it more on the football field than I think he will in shorts and a t-shirt. But I think Jermaine Johnson will still be in that top fifteen range, top twenty range. A guy that could go. Top. Uh, might not even be on the board uh, at number 10 with the Jets pick. So, you know, I, I think he'll do okay. But David Ajabo, he should light it up. This is a guy who started playing football at Blair Academy uh, in Jersey, and he was teammates with Jason Owe, uh, Odafe Owe, who uh, was a first-round pick last year of the Ravens. And Owe ran a 4.37 40-yard dash at his pro day. Talk to uh, David Ajabo. He'll tell you he beat uh, Owe all the time when they had 100-meter races. Uh, oh in my God. So, uh, you know, what's that in high school? Ojabo ran a ten nine three in the hundred meters, which anything under eleven seconds for any right. is remarkable, but especially for a David Ojabo who is, you know, linebacker sized, um, and so uh, just uh, an unbelievable athlete. He should test well across the board, um, and and that's why we're kind. You know, he's been projected to be this top fifteen pick and a guy that could go early. The combine should only confirm that.
0: You know, I. Uh, who just reported it? Let me see here. One of the NFL network guys, Ian Rappaport just reported Evan Neal's not going to work out at the combine. He'll wait until his pro day. So we won't be able to see Evan. You, by the way, he seems like a freak athlete too, with the split box jump squat, whatever that is. Like I'd like to have a sliver of the same athleticism and I'm like a fourth of the size. So, right. yeah, but one guy I do want to bring up also an edge rusher, not because, not because this is, this is just a coincidence. I know you're high on the guy. That's why Travon Walker out of Georgia. He's huge. Obviously you have him at six five, two seventy to 75 whole way in what he weighs in in Indianapolis. But do you think this could be like a coming out party for him? Because he's one of the guys that not a lot of people talk about because he wasn't at the senior bowl. And it feels like he's also primed to show, Hey, like I'm a freaky athlete and you might want to take me very high as well.
1: Yeah, He's lost a little bit in that Georgia scheme because it was so loaded with guys, and he wasn't asked to necessarily just pin his ears back and go get after the quarterback. But uh, Travon Walker is an outstanding football player. Uh, I've talked to teams that uh, believe he could be the best defensive player from this draft, period, uh, when it's all said and done. So, uh, you know, he was ranked number six overall in my top 100, and I took heat for that, and I'm, that's fine with me. I'm betting on those traits, and that should show this week at the Combine and it would be interesting to see what his weight is. Uh, you know, is he close to that 275 uh, or is he is he heavier? Is he, you know, if he's closer to 285, then maybe we're talking about him moving inside and being more of an interior presence. But, um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, Rashawn Gary a couple years ago when he was coming out of Michigan. He was 276 pounds and just lit it up. 458 in the 40-yard dash, 38-inch um, vertical, just ridiculous numbers. And he ended up going 12 overall. Uh, to the Packers, uh, but if he's closer to, say, 285, then we're going to pair his numbers to, say, Cam Jordan when he was coming out of Cal. Uh, he was 287 pounds and ran a 4.76 and had all these great numbers. Uh, 707 and a three-cone, which is amazing for a guy that size. So Travon Walker, I think, should be in that range when we talk about a very good tester at that size with the length, the power that he has. I, I mean, it's just a total package. You wish he was a little more productive and in college, but when you watch the tape and you realize, okay, he wasn't asked to necessarily just, you know, get after the quarterback, then you start to realize that, uh, that, that explains why, you know, the reasons and excuses uh, there are reasons why he, the production wasn't greater. Uh, and so that, that factors into the evaluation.
0: All right. Also other news NFL network reporting that Matt Corral is going to wait till his pro day. So we, evaluators won't get a chance to see him throw at the combine in Indianapolis indoors, Lucas oil stadium, so that's, that's another guy. I'm sure we'll hear more as the week goes on and on, but those are just two guys. And also, if you're a Jets fan, I'm sure you're going to be watching the edge rushers, the wide receivers, how they run, how they catch, all that good juice. And we'll see what happens as the week unfolds. Then next week, we're talking combine review, biggest winners. We'll talk about all the freak athletes as usual. So that's how we're going to wrap up this episode of NFL Draft Preview. And uh, Dane, I'll see you later this week.
1: All right, sounds good. Looking forward to it.